Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. To start off, I just want to go back to the reading that I opened with. And just one of the verses there. And it's one of these ones that we've you know, probably heard a number of times, but... It's definitely exemplified in the story that we're following today. You know, last week I started a journey with Joseph. We're gonna we're gonna go go on a walk, I guess, through through his life and just sort of take from some of the examples of, of, of what his life has demonstrated to us. But in Romans five, it says this. Uh, Romans five verse three. It says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And it's this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, last week I, I definitely just introed this character of Joseph. I sort of explained where he fit in the picture of the, the early days of the, of the people of Israel, that he's the son of Jacob. There's a son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. So there's only a couple of generations from Abraham. And, you know, in Genesis 37, you know, and I shared some ideas around Genesis as well, that Genesis is a book of origins. And not just origins of, of, of life and, and man and, and the origins of sin, but we see the origins of, of what faith looks like through you know, Abraham and Noah. We, we see the origins of of um, the promise of God and God starting to build this redemption story that we see fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. So it really is, you know, this, this idea of Genesis being the book of beginnings, the book of origins really does make sense. It's not just talking about creation week. The whole book really is this origin of building this, this story, this, this, this grand um, epic, I guess you'd say, of the redemption story of Christ. And so... What we sort of finished on was, you know, we, we, we come to this character of Joseph who really, when you sort of pull it apart a little bit, is that he was living quite a privileged life and, and wasn't afraid to, to, to show it. And his father didn't help. His father played favorites and, you know, we know that never goes well. And, um, and it finishes with Joseph receiving these dreams from God. And we know that they're from God and that they did stick with Joseph because, you know, they weren't just dreams that sort of came and went. They were dreams that stuck with him that he went, well, no, there's something to this. And so he shared it with his family. But he shared it, I guess, from a perspective of naivety and, and, and privilege in that sense, you know, truly using that word. You know, it gets, gets thrown around a bit too much, I think, in our society at the moment. But, you know, he shared it from that place of arrogance where he sort of said, oh, you know, Look what God's revealed to me. And all that did was actually cause division. It actually worked against him rather than for him. And for those that are familiar with the, the, the full story of Joseph, we know full well that those dreams are actually fulfilled, but just maybe not in the way that he expected. And so I finished up last week with this idea that, you know, those things that God lays upon our hearts, you know, whether it is a specific dream or a, a, a calling upon your life or something like that, just know that, you know, they do get fulfilled. God keeps his word. 
but just not maybe in the way that we expect. And maybe it's doing things that we would sort of just go, well, that's just normal life. But if that's what God's calling us to do, then there's, yeah, God receives his glory through that because it's his plans being fulfilled. So that's where we sort of left off last week. We left him with these lofty dreams that God had given him. But in his naivety and arrogance, he turned his brothers against him to the point of them deciding to get rid of him. And that's where we're starting off today. So if you do have your Bibles, we're going to be having a look at Genesis, still in chapter 37, but verses 18, sort of onwards from then. So I'm reading from New Living Translation. So it just might be slightly different to what you're reading, but... So this is where we sort of launch into the next stage of, of, of Joseph's journey. So verse 18 says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, so prior to this, his, uh, Joseph's father said, Hey, your brothers are out looking after the sheep. I need you to go check on them. So he sends him out and he goes looking for him and he eventually finds him. And this is where we come up to this bit. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. It's probably that brightly colored coat that his father had given him. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Yeah, you know, let that sink in a little bit. When, you, when you're talking about broken relationships, you know, that's, that's so much more than just being, oh, you know, we just don't get on. You know, they've, they've relationally divorced themselves from him. They've just gone, no, nah, we, we, we just don't want him around at all. And we're willing to actively get rid of him. So, yeah, Joseph really did a work on these guys. He really just, you know, really shattered any sort of connection, any sense of, of, of loyalty or, or, or kinship at all. You know, they were, they were only half-brothers. They didn't share the same mother. But, you know, to get to that point, I think, is just quite drastic when you think of it. Verse 19, Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him. Let's throw him. And throw him into one of these cisterns. And we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. You know, this description of dreamer. In a sense, quite fitting. Not only did he share these dreams he was talking about, but I think it was fitting for, I guess, that, that, that sense of privilege and, and, and arrogance that, that he seemed to display in, in, in a sense. But thankfully, for Joseph's sake, and you know, this, the sake of you know, God's threading His story through 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 this life of Joseph, Reuben, the oldest of the brothers, speaks a bit of wisdom. And he says there, you know, if, you, if you're sort of glancing down at those verses, you know, he sort of says, "Oh well, maybe let's not kill him. Let's not get his blood directly on our hands. Let's just put him in the system. And if he if he dies there, well, he dies, and it's it's not directly related to us. We're not the ones physically killing him." But if you look further down, there's a verse there, you know, verse 21, 22. But when Reuben heard of their schemes, he, he came, to, came to Joseph's rescue. He said, let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty system here in the wilderness. And then he'll die without our laying our hands on him. But Reuben was secretly planning to rescue, rescue Joseph and return him to his father. You know, Reuben, whether it was just maturity or, or whatever, but he, he just sort of went, well, oh, you know, I know we want to get rid of him and we want to do something, but we, we, we can't do this. We've got to, got to get him out of this. He's probably going to um, tell him to do what his father did with Esau. <laughs> so 
talk, talking about you know, Jacob here, Jacob and Esau, he sold Esau's birthright and had to take off for a time. So maybe Reuben was sort of saying, well, maybe he can do what dad did. He can just disappear for a while till we can calm ourselves down. Either way, Reuben had some ulterior motives there. And if you're familiar with the story, this is where, you know, they're sitting down there still trying to sort out exactly what's going on. And they see in the distance a caravan, you know, a group of camels coming over. And they're Ishmaelite trade, traders. And so they come up with this great idea. Hey, we don't have to kill him to get rid of him. And we can actually profit off him. We'll sell him into slavery. So verse 28 says, So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. I love how scripture just has these mirrors and these, these, these connections, I guess you'd say, through the thread of scripture. I find there's an interesting connection between the betrayal of the brothers and Joseph to Judas and Jesus. You know, the brothers were paid 20 pieces of silver. Judas was paid 30 pieces of silver. And so to cover their tracks, the brothers take that beautiful multicolored coat and they rip it up, dip it in blood, and they present that to, the, to their father. And they send it with this message. If you have a, just keep scanning down, verse 32. It says, They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we have found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Again, you can almost hear the tone if they were saying it. Didn't this belong to your son, not our brother? So you can just see this disconnect, this divorce of relationship there. They were just done with him. And if you look at the verses below that, we see that Jacob was truly shattered. You know, this... this this description, whether it was the right way to go about things or not, you can tell that you know, he truly did love his son. He was almost in this perpetual state of mourning. They tried to cheer him up after a time. And he said, no, nah, I'm always going to be mourning of, of, of Joseph. So for, for when he said, you know, Joseph is my, is my favorite, it, in a sense, it was probably true. But at the same time, I think it set Joseph up in a way that wasn't great at first. But we do know that God had a bigger story in, in plan. So the chapter finishes up, verse 36. It says, Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrive in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. Now in your Bibles, you'll notice that we actually we skip over chapter 38, because it actually alters away from Joseph for a chapter, focuses on, on, on the character of Judah. But that's a different story, different sermon. So we're not going to go on that one. <laughs> so we're going to skip to chapter 39. So now we're in Egypt. And what we see here is almost a, like a new dynamic, a new, a new um, perspective on who Joseph is and what he's become. Now verses, verse 1 is sort of just a recap of the, the, the last verse of, of 37. So 39 it says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, who was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer, Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh and the king of Egypt. But verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. 
So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the house of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Now we see this shift from Joseph being described as, you know, dreamer to being someone that God is with. That God was with Joseph. And what we see is that there's this gap there. There's this, there's this gap of development and, and journey that Joseph went on that we don't have described in Scripture, but we see it evident in these descriptions of him. You know, in this gap between you know, chapter 37 and 39, you know, Joseph not only had you know, a drastic change of you know, status, you know, he went from being this privileged favorite son to slave, Status of identity he went from being, you know, like, you know, part of the family of, of Israel, of Jacob, to just being one of the many slaves of Egypt. He had a change of belonging. Again, no longer was he a free man living in, in Canaan. He was now a slave displaced in Egypt. But through that journey through that hardship, we see him have a change of heart, a change of attitude. He goes from being described as dreamer to, you know, one that the Lord is with. And not only in describing himself or, you know, Moses describing him as he's writing, writing the book of Genesis, but identified as by Potiphar. Potiphar noticed that the Lord is with him. So it wasn't just self-identity, it was identified by those around him. So no longer is he being described as this privileged, spoiled brat or a lofty, arrogant dreamer. He's now described as someone who God is with, someone who is blessed and a blessing to those around him. You know, a reflection of that Abrahamic covenant there. He was trustworthy with all of Potiphar's property. And, this, and the verses go on to say that, you know, it, it just, he, he, he was, he, he, he thrived in that role to the point Potiphar just said, yep, you just look after it all. And it says that Potiphar, the only thing he had to worry about was what he wanted to eat for the day. Yeah, you know, what a life. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good, um, what do they call it? A PA, personal assistant? Yeah, they're, 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 they're doing well in their role there. But, you know, adding to that level, adding to the story, we see this, this character developed in Joseph to a point that not only... Was he, you know, actually starting to be productive instead of destructive? But, you know, integrity and character was getting developed there. And we see this particularly in his response to Potiphar's wife. So if you're familiar with the story, she starts to make advances on him. He's a, it's described that he's a, he's, a, he's a good-looking young man. And her eyes begin to stray from her husband and she starts to chase after Joseph. But I just love how, you know, even though... He was aware of the privilege that he'd earned back. You know, he had privilege with his father. And all of a sudden, he'd, in a sense, almost come full circle. He had privilege with Potiphar. But unlike his response at first that drove him to arrogance and, and, and driving, you know, bringing destructiveness to his life, he'd now learned his lesson a little bit. And he actually really held his um, integrity. Have a look at verses 8 
to 7 of chapter 39. This is his answer to, to Potiphar's wife. So she makes a, makes a proposal to him and says, But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. Like he, he knew his place. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. I just love this shift in his character. It makes you wonder just the, you know, obviously, you know, like that, that moment that he realized that his brothers had turned against him, you know, the, the, the betrayal, the sense of, of loss, the sense of just heartache. And once he's sold into slavery and he's realized, hang on, I'm probably never going to see my family again. You know, the, 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 the breaking that would have gone on in his life. But it didn't let it completely destroy him. He let it shape him. He let the hardships create in him something new. Something that God could work with. So as the story goes, we know that it doesn't end well for Joseph. Potiphar's wife keeps pursuing him, eventually corners him and traps him. And he just breaks out of there as best as he can, but leaves behind his cloak. And so she just goes, no, nah, I've had enough. And so she accuses him. And it gets him thrown in jail. So for poor Joseph, it's like he's come full circle twice. He's come from a place of privilege to absolute brokenness. Now, with right attitude and right heart, again, reached a point of privilege. And all of a sudden, brokenness again. Now, I'll tell you what, I, in, in, in that part of the story, I really just wonder, I would have loved to have sat there with Joseph for a moment. You know, he was human, flesh and blood, just like you and I. And how much confusion he must have been going through, how much just turmoil he would have been going, God, where is this going? What is going on here? Because the first time round, maybe in reflection, he actually went, oh, yeah, I really didn't go about that well. I probably deserved that. <coughs> maybe that was part of his journey that brought him to this point that he realized, no, I've got to change the way I do life now. But all of a sudden, after doing all the right stuff, he still gets thrown to the bottom of the barrel. So at first it was his, you know, it was his wrong actions that got him into trouble. All of a sudden it's his right actions getting him into trouble. I don't know about you, but that, it is, it's hard. Who's ever gotten in trouble for doing the right thing? I have. <laughs> doing your best, trying to do the right thing, trying to look after people as best you can, and it still blows up in your face. It sucks. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Not a, not a great place to be in. But it's interesting when we look at this life of Joseph, we're going to start to wrap it up here a little bit. You know, verse 19 to 21, just let me read that. You know, Potiphar's wife fills him in, well, with her lies. And it just says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison with the, where, the, where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. You know, the movies and the, the, the kids' cartoons, you know, quite often sort of 
show that maybe Potiphar had a bit of an inkling. Because I think in any other circumstance, that slave would have been dead. Yeah? So it's not explicitly put there in, in, in Scripture, but you do sort of wonder. You think, no, normal reaction would have been just, not. Nah, sorry, slave, you're gone. But he's thrown into prison. But verse 21, and this is that, you know, that next level, that next dynamic of the character of Joseph that we're seeing develop here. But the Lord was with Joseph, we've heard that once already, in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favourite with the prison warden. But I love that, that add-on there, that not only was the Lord with him, but showed him his faithful love. Yeah. This life is going to dish out ups and downs, isn't it? We know that. We've all been there. And as I said, you know, there's going to be moments sometimes where we, we might even get into trouble for doing the right thing. Sadly, we're living in a society that potentially that's going to happen even more so for believers. Where we're going to be going about doing what we know is right and right and true, and we're going to cop a flag for it. But I tell you what, those hardships, those trials, and the fact is the New Testament like, speaks a lot about that, doesn't it? The, the New Testament church, they copped a flogging. But the, the New Testament writers, Paul and the, the other apostles, they said, no, look, yeah, these hardships, they're tough. Yes, we get it. And it's tough, especially because you're doing the right thing. But know that that's going to build and strengthen you for something better. And that's what we're going to go into in coming weeks. That we see that this was not necessarily the plan of God. I don't, I don't believe God does plan bad things to happen. But he allows life to happen. And through those things that do happen to us at times, he uses them for his glory. If we allow it. And there's always that, we always play a role in it. Yeah? Agreed? Yeah? We're not just, we're not just on a roller coaster ride where we're just hands off. We play a role in it as well. We've got to make sure that we do respond, that we let those hardships, let those tough times, let those, those, those hard hits when they come to continue to shape us. Let them, let them bring a different and a, a, a deeper identity in God. So he went from dreamer to someone that God was with to someone that God was with showing his faithful love. Let's be people that you know, go on that journey that our relationship through the ups and downs of life, it deepens. Our identity with God becomes stronger. Our identity with God becomes more detailed. That we could be described as someone that is with God and that we know his faithful love. Amen? Amen? Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for just, the, just the, the understanding we can get, Lord God, through other people's lives. I love the fact that your scriptures aren't just, aren't just philosophy and, and thought, Lord God. It's story. It's people's lives that we can learn from, that we can relate to that we can reflect Lord God and just help us Lord God walk a, a better journey with you 
And I pray, Lord God, that you know, if people are going through some tough times, Lord God, I pray that this can be an encouragement, that, that you are there with them in the midst of those tough times. And Lord God, especially when we do, you know, Lord God, if we, if we ever do cop it, and when we do cop it, because you know, it, it does happen, for, for, for just trying to do the right thing, for just trying to follow you faithfully, Lord God, when that happens, when people have to go at us or, or people attack us for, 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 for doing that, Lord God, that we just let that be an agent, Lord God, of driving us closer to you. Let it be something that just makes us develop that character even more in you. That our hope becomes stronger in you, both in the good and the bad times, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.